welcome in everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of the 1012 Podcast Network, and you can find more great Big 12 content over at 1012network.com. Um, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter or X, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We like to remind you, this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. With over 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. Uh, I'm waiting on my package from them, uh, but you can get 15% off any non-sale item by using the code TEN1215 at checkout over at www.charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made fresh. My name is Gerald Gilded Jemmer, host this week like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's having back issues because he's carrying the whole team. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Are you calling me the Jonathan Brooks of this podcast? Because that would be high praise coming from you, the originator of the Jonathan Brooks bandwagon. I was actually going for a Jalen Daniels joke, but I think both work. Oh, no, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's uh, that's actually a much better joke. Um, yeah, Jalen Daniels, uh, not not able to play, but uh, look, I, I soldier through anything. I have a little bit a little bit of a tickle in my throat, but here I am. I'm not I'm not sitting out. I'm 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 here because I know um, we. Well, that's mean. I was going to say, I know you would get out Kane by 400 yards if it was just you by yourself, but that's not true, Gerald. This podcast <laughs> would be tremendous, even if it was just you here today. Uh, tremendous is not the word I would use to describe me rocking it solo. It'd be okay, uh, but it would not be a Jonathan Brooks-like performance. No, we're obviously going to talk about the Texas game, Texas uh, getting out of the Kansas game with a win, a big win, uh, without Jalen Daniels on the field. We'll talk about down the 40. We've got uh, some big names for big games from the ladies. We'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. So like we alluded to, Texas stays undefeated at number three in the AP after uh, getting by the Kansas Jayhawks with a uh, a slow cooker, a slow roasting, a put a pot of chili on the stove overnight, wake up and it smells yummy first thing in the morning, slow roast of the Jayhawks. Part of the reason why it was a slow roast because Texas struggled to punch the ball in the end zone from the red zone. Could have been a uh, flash fry, but it didn't work out as well. Outgained Kansas by 400 yards and one of the best performances under Steve Sarkeesian. There's a lot to talk about in this game. We'll obviously spend some time doing so, but Kyle, just thinking back or thinking through this win, do we start to feel like these this the expectation that we have for Texas they're finally going to be able to consistently meet it yes I think so I think um I think this was the first of or excuse me the second of of three tests this season right we didn't know it would be Kansas I actually thought it'd be Kansas State and we'll see Um, but we knew there would be a Bama a an OU and then a a third best team in the Big 12 and and Texas would honestly measure themselves a little bit more by how they showed up for that one right I do think Texas and I, I don't wish this upon them can kind of 
muscle memory and and out athlete um, the, the the rest of the Big Twelve this season. Um, but was there going to be a team that that could punch you in the mouth that had enough talent to do it? Um, and and it looked like Kansas might be that team. They were ranked coming into this game. We know that Texas will be locked in for OU coming up. We'll have that preview here next. We know they were locked in for Alabama, but it's that little bit of you know just like Kansas's uh, uh, well-designed triple option offense. There's, there's, it's the eye discipline. It's are you looking at the thing in front of you and, and, and doing what's right. And, and to their credit, Texas showed up in this one, especially the Texas offense, uh, you know, really the Texas team in the second half. Um, they showed up and, and they, they, they looked like the team that could answer a lot of questions. We asked before, right, uh, could they – play on the road we've seen them do that all year now the question has been can they take that home uh at home and uh could they close out games was the question in the beginning of the year they continue to just outscore people uh in in second halves i think 100 to 35 in second halves this year um you know there's a chance for a look ahead game against ou they didn't get caught looking ahead um and there's when when you are so effective like they were in the first half on offense, but you look at the scoreboard and it doesn't show up there. Those are games you can lose. Like that is the recipe for a success and the bend don't yep. break didn't break Texas. So that's that mental toughness that we've been asking for, for a decade, you know, for, for a long time. And so, yeah, it, Gerald, I do, I do think it looks different this year. Yeah. I mean, I think this, and we put it out there on Twitter, like this was the recipe for the upset, right? You don't put it in the end zone, in the red zone. You let them hang around. You give up a couple of big fluky plays and that's what Kansas did early. And then Texas kind of cleaned it up in the second half, but early on it was, it was kind of a squeaky bum time because Texas was playing the hits that we've seen them play before. You let an inferior team hang around. They start to think that they can actually win the game, and then they end up winning the game. That's what happened in 2021 and cost Texas a bowl in a 5-7 and seven season in Steve Sarkeesian's first uh, win at the helm. And I think it's just emblematic of the difference between 2021 and where Texas is at now, because I guarantee you in 2021, if they have this start against Kansas— they may still win, but it's a, it's a tough, tough outing. And so them being able to shake it off, shrug it off, and put up 27 points in the second half to really put this thing away was absolutely incredible. And so I think for Texas, it's, again, emblematic of how far they've come. And it really this was the most balanced performance almost to the yard split down 661 almost split down the middle between uh, the run and the pass for Texas but the the story of the game is Jonathan Brooks right 218 on the on the ground 21 carries two touchdowns he had a 23 yard reception uh, he has like uh, he has like five or six explosive runs over the last two weeks which is absolutely nuts to think about um, he's got the it was the fourth most for a longhorn against a ranked opponent and number 22 all-time on any game in program history, the second best performance by a sophomore. And now he's on pace after that to crack a thousand yards in like game 10. So like a big, big outing from Jonathan Brooks. And this is exactly who we thought he was going to be. Um, you know, it was, it was touchy early on, but I think when Baxter went down and he fully stepped into that, that featured back role, he has put a stranglehold on that. Thing. Yeah. That, that 10 yards a carry with 20 plus carries is always going to, always going to be a day that you remember. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, he obviously broke that with some long ones. He had a, a near 60-yard touchdown um, in the third quarter and had a long run that sadly only led to a field goal after he got uh, he got run down. Um, 
it seems like that's there is a kryptonite to it, his, his game. It's that ability to just uh, to finish the long run uh, when Texas, and we'll talk about it a little bit, has struggled uh, somewhat to, to finish drives in the red zone, um, almost more dangerous from a little bit outside of it. But, um, yeah, it, look, not to take a single, single thing away from, from Jonathan Brooks, that, that was an incredible performance that should be lauded, should be um, remembered. But, but, again, credit to the, the coaching staff for putting him in that position. There, there was times when it seemed like they hesitated to lean on him. Last year there may have been an over-reliance on what the two running backs could do with the lack of weapons. And this year it's like Sark is very aware that he needs to spread the ball around in the passing game and almost, you know, for the, the first couple games of the season, and maybe by design, didn't really look to to lean on Brooks. Didn't none of us knew that he had that in the bag, but um, got going. Got speak for yourself, Kyle. <laughs> speak for yourself. That's right. That's right. Again, the the originator of the bandwagon. You folks are jumping on the Brooks Brigade. <laughs> We've got it. T M <laughs> Brooks Brigade. Gerald has been driving, and I, and I hate to say wagon this week, um, but but you know any other other week it's the bandwagon uh, for Jonathan Brooks. But um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean. Sark schemed it up well. They they basically said, "Look, we think that our running backs, Baxter and Brooks, but especially Brooks, can beat their linebackers, and so we're going to give him the opportunity to get to the linebackers." They were basically doubling uh, more often than not both defensive tackles, right? Taking the ends outside, um, doubling both in defensive tackles in the middle, letting letting Brooks get you know three yards and ahead of steam to the linebackers, and assuming that he could beat them. And and more often than not, and almost every time. He did right. He had one on his his you know the, I think the more impressive the sixty seven yarder that didn't get in the end zone. He had a move in in the in the hole where he uh, planted his left foot, gave him the the kind of faint uh, shimmy Bijan esque in the hole uh, with his right and on the safety and then bounced back out to the left, which which sprung him to go. I mean, it was a beautiful move. That type of stuff. Um, you you love to see it from the the young running back who again is stepping into incomparable shoes in Bijan Robbins and um, just doing it, you know, I think 10 times better than anyone expected at this point. Everyone knew he was good. Mr. Texas football. Gerald's been banging that drum for a long time, but even Gerald, Since even the Gerald, offer went out. even Gerald, even Gerald, did you think he was going to be this good this soon? I mean, did I think he was going to be outpacing Bijan Robinson through five games? No, but did I think, I mean, I said it, go back and listen to our running back preview over the summer. Like I picked him as the guy to hit a thousand. Sark has gone every year as a head coach with a thousand yard rusher. And I picked him to be the guy. Um, and like I said, I didn't, I didn't think, and I think part of the knock on him was a little bit of the top end speed and a little bit. Um, and we've seen that happen a couple of times where he gets walked that uh, long, that long touchdown that, uh, what that could have been and should have been uh, that ended up with Texas stalling and settling for a field goal, right? If he's a half a step faster, he houses that. We saw it against Wyoming. We've seen it in every game. But you know what? You know who else doesn't also have like elite speed? There's a guy at the NFL playing for the Atlanta Falcons who that was a that was a knock on him. Uh, out, uh, other than like everything else he does well, it's like well he could be like half a step faster. So like that's just par for the course. You know, with all that being said, we have to thank Stan Drayton for probably one of the best parting gifts of all time in Jonathan Brooks, right? If you've heard the story, uh, you can, there's a, I don't remember who, um, one of the recruiting assistants was talking about how, um, you know, he showed Coach Drayton his film. It's like, yep, offer him. And <laughs> sure enough, they offered Jonathan Brooks his three-star kid out of Hallettsville, or this, this, you know, this kid out of Hallettsville, and uh, come to find out he's now going to be RB1. He's like the third best, or the third leading rusher in the country. There's a, uh, Westcott dropped this in our in our group chat for over at BON, but, um, 
you know, and the thing that you love about Brooks is he's the guy who wants to like give credit to everybody else. Christian Jones, apparently uh, Westcott overheard a conversation between the three of them and Jonathan Brooks didn't know he was third in the nation rushing. And then Jonathan Brooks response was to thank him and say, it's because of him. So like, that's the kind of guy that he is, right? I'm not just banging this drum because Brooks is an incredible football player from a town that I random small town in Texas that I know, but he's just a good kid and he wants to play the game. Well, but it wasn't just, it was a lot of the Jonathan Brooks show, but there's a lot of other incredible things that happen on Saturday offensively. Yeah. I think um, I'll just say one more thing about the running game and I'll take it on the offensive line for Brooks to be as well as he did. The line had to do what they could do. Um, and you mentioned Christian Jones, you right now say anything that you'd like. Christian Jones is our best offensive lineman on this football team. Um, pro football focus, highest graded, uh, lineman on Texas team, uh, 76.1 DJ Campbell did have a 78.1 pass block grade. Um, they each got 85 snaps, which that's right. The offense had 85 snaps. Um, but the offensive line looked great, right? They had one sack allowed. We'll talk about the passing game here in a second. One botch snap. Um, but otherwise they, they blocked really well. And it was specifically Christian Jones and DJ Campbell on that right side. And, and look, Jake major is probably his best game I've seen him play. Uh, maybe in, in his career, uh, he, that one botch snap aside was, was pretty flawless throughout. Um, but they ran 37, of their 48 rushing attempts, either in the middle or to the right side. Now, that's not to say anything about Hayden Connor or, or, or Calvin Banks, but they clearly found something that was working, running behind DJ Campbell and Christian Jones and, to some extent, Jake Majors. Um, so, so there is credit, and, and I don't think um, Brooks is, is both modest, but I don't think he's wrong or, or missing the point. They did run a ton behind uh, Christian Jones and, and did it really, really well. Um, and, and, again, the, the offense just seemed to scheme, um, like I said, that, that – that, kind of doubling we hadn't seen uh doubling at the point of contact and last year they they had more when Bijan went off of a look of I eh, don't worry about their front seven just get guys at the second and third level and let Bijan get past the first and, and do his magic and it worked so credit to the coaching staff for evolving adjusting being opponent specific and, and drawing up these great game plans but the other thing they did is draw up a great game plan to really maximize Quinn Ewers and I thought this was um the Alabama game was tremendous because it was that good of a performance against Alabama but as far as the scheme for what he does well and them marrying that up with their overall offensive package I thought this was one of their best scheme games and Quinn Quinn just went out and absolutely lit it up and, and very specifically as you might imagine in his strongest area which is throws 10 to 20 and especially between the hashes yeah, and I mean, I think it was, you know, it was Adonai Mitchell's, like, not coming out party, because everybody knows that name if you've watched the National Championship game in the last two years, you've you've heard that name, but uh, really for Texas, like, this was this was the Mitchell volume game, Four, 10 receptions, 141 yards, and a touchdown, career highs for both uh, receptions and yardage, Big 12 newcomer of the week, big week for him, and I think you listen to him talk about it, it's really, he credits a lot of it to, to X-Worthy, right, he credits yeah. a lot of it to to the fact that defenses are going to bracket X Worthy, who has seven catches on seven targets. When was the last time you said that about Ewers uh, and Worthy connection for 93 yards? And so he, you know, Worthy draws a lot of attention. And Ad Mitchell was the was the beneficiary. A lot of times it ends up being uh, Jatavian Sanders who went out with an injury. We still haven't got updates day to day. Is what Sark said. It wasn't a break or a, or a tear, so that's good. But we still don't know what it's going to be. Um, but that is really the big thing. Like when we talk about. Um, Ewer's ability to, to scheme it and, and sling it, like having A.D. Mitchell have that kind of game and being able to say, because last year, if one guy goes out in that receiver room or in that passing game, it's 
they're going to blanket cover worthy and beat uh, dare everybody else to beat you, right? And that's not the case this year. Jordan Whittington had a catch in that. Uh, Jonte Cook signing, right? Jonte yeah. Cook almost housed yeah. one, um, thought he was going to. But I think the other thing we have to talk about with Ewers is he flashed the feet again, right? Mm-hmm. Two rushing touchdowns, one um, kind of scramble that was like, oh, he's going to go for the first down. Oh, he's going for more than the first <laughs> down, that kind of long scramble up the middle. Um, and the fact that he's done that now two weeks in a row um, – forces defense to re defenses and defensive coordinators to rethink what they're going to do on third downs. Right. Because with the, with a typical pocket passer, you can run some like man with a too high safety right. look on there on third downs, but now you can't do that as much. You can't run as much man coverage because you were shown you that, Oh, the Chick-fil-A weight is gone and I'm going to scramble for, you know, 10 yards, if not six points. And so that's the other kind of wrinkle that they've now added that gives uh Brent Venables and his crew. Another thing to think about is Texas heads to Dallas. Chick-fil-A makes beer now i'm kidding um so <laughs> vanilla vince was uh was was pretty incredible in this one the the touchdown incredible the uh naked bootleg what a call um for his second touchdown in, in the last kind of play of the ones on the field uh before they put the the backups in let let uh malik get a little bit of run there um he was he was great the touchdown throw specifically to ad mitchell like there's probably a lot of people who just casually watch football and, and that's great. That, there's no problem with that, but who see that throw and say, Oh yeah. Open guy back corner of the end zone, easy throw. That is an incredibly hard throw. Like nine out of 10 college quarterbacks sail that throw. The, the one out of 10, you know, it, it, it's an elite throw. Like you have to have your feet planted. You have to sail it up over enough people, get it down and give your receiver a chance to get up and get down and get his feet uh, in the corner there with a, you know, a player coming down on him, basically trying to, you know, trying to get him. I loved, by the way, Eddie Mitchell after he, uh, Adonai Mitchell after he caught that, that touchdown uh, struck a pose while sitting on top of the photographer. Um, A great memory for that photographer and hopefully a great photo (laughs) from someone else came out of that, but um, just a great play. Uh, I really thought, so they only threw, Texas only threw two balls greater than 20 yards in 35 pass attempts, right? What they did, though, is they threw 18 uh, in that 10 to 20 range for 225 yards. Only 100 of Quinn's yards came elsewhere. Um, that was their bread and butter. There was a lot of RPO um, kind of looks. There was a lot of uh, play action off the heavy run game with only two receivers, right? They would literally run worthy even when when sanders was healthy i noticed they were doing some of this where they would um have a lot of kind of um motion and scheme to draw the defense in on play action with both tight ends blocking down and then run two receivers out of there and still have a uh kind of a a a safety bending concept between what are you going to double xavier worthy here and 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 glean towards him when they're both on the same side of the field oh ad mitchell gets open that's how he had three catches uh on the first drive that that you know they just moved down the field i thought again really well schemed the only place i know gerald had a little bit of consternation about this and and i did as well maybe just slightly lesser extent but the the pace and the way they ran that last uh play before the half um which ultimately led to ewer's interception if, if they call a timeout there he has a little bit more time to get settled maybe he doesn't stare down gunner helm on that dig route maybe he does um but he did a good job even on that interception climbing the pocket whether he was looking to to run like he did like gerald pointed out when they give you that and, and forcing them to to be honest when they are you know, both bracketing worthy and trying to take away the deep ball, then that's going to be there all day. Um, but also climbing the pocket, you know, helps your offensive line, right? That's how you uh, avoid a pass rush. And again, Kansas is, is a pretty good defensive line, like incredibly improved 
from years past, one of the top five in the in the Big Twelve right now, maybe maybe even a little higher. It's it's a solid defensive line. Ewers did a great job climbing the pocket to then find throws up the field as well. So just a really good game from him. All in all, I know that streak ended at two forty five, but he'll start a new one. Um, interception happens. You learn from it. You grow from it. He clearly did in this game, and it didn't affect him. And that's that's what you like to see. So quickly, we'll talk about the defense. The defense. We're running out of superlatives to talk about the defense. Gave up two hundred and twenty yards and seven first downs uh, when the garbage time began. Uh, the only scores were like a busted pass play where the safety was out of position, ended up in man coverage. And then the weirdest fumble <laughs> recovery I've ever seen. Um, like, shout outs to them for capitalizing, but if you can survive the Jalen Catalan car mm. crash, then you kind of deserve it, right? He absolutely murdered that man on that on that big hit. Uh, dislodged the ball and the ball uh, wound up in the Kansas running back's hands uh, because everybody thought the game was over and somebody's, the Jason and Bean's life was over when that hit landed. Um, had to figure out the triple option. And I think part of that, that end of this end of the half drive that wasn't right. I think Sark was trying to kill some of the clock yeah. to get them into the locker room to talk about the defensive scheme. Part of it's like, let's get out of here. And then I think they didn't anticipate them cracking off a couple of big plays, which you know, that's not necessarily a great excuse for a coach whose specialty is offense. But, like, I think they were trying to just get out. Texas cracked off a couple of big plays, and they're like, oh, crap, we got to do something here. So that's part of it, right? Getting into the locker room to get PK some time uh, to coach those guys up on the triple. And lo and behold, Kansas tried to run the triple after the half, and the defense absolutely ate it up. So, like, that's the thing that, we're, that, that we have to talk about with that drive in context. I think part of it was getting into the locker room at halftime and make adjustments on the defensive side. Yeah, Texas has been good all year at adjusting to what opponents are throwing at them, especially in the running game. You saw it in Alabama, how they, how they switched up against the interior runs there. You saw it against Kansas. And I think you can't, like, there's a caveat here. You can't talk about this Kansas offensive performance without talking about Jalen Daniels, you know, being injured. We, we hinted at at the beginning. But um, obviously, um, whether they, they hid that for strategic advantage or it truly was a, a complete shock to Lance Leipold, you know, when they arrived at the, the facility, either way, um, he didn't play, aggravated a back injury, um, and changed up the game. It kind of reminded me a little bit, and I can't remember the year. I know Deshaun Elliott was on that team, but I think he was young. It was a Charlie Strong uh, team, I believe, early Charlie maybe, um, against Baylor when uh, Baylor had like all their quarterbacks hurt, and they basically just had a receiver playing quarterback running kind of a zone read, and they ran all over us for like 200-plus yards with no quarterbacks, and it was very frustrating. Uh, Texas, I think, won that game, but it was close. If I'm, I'm recalling back, it may have been like yeah. – 17. I mean, anyways, not important. Uh, 16. But um, neither here nor there. It reminded me a little bit of that game where you just didn't prepare for it, right? No, no. Texas knows the offense that Kansas runs, and there are some similar concepts. But Jalen Daniels, as good of an athlete and playmaker as he is, um, Bean actually is the the more straight up speed guy. So their their triple option with the pass threat that Jalen Daniels offers, Jason Bean offers a little bit more of just straight speed, right? A true four four guy who can get to the edge and cause problems. And look, I know some of our listeners older than Gerald and I, um, you know, who, who've lived through the, the triple option heyday, uh, were screaming at their television, right? It, it, it is just not something that people see often enough. And Kansas runs a specific version of the option where their job is to, like, it is designed very shrewdly by, what is it, Kotelnicki, their offensive coordinator, and, uh, and Lance Leipold to, to basically 
put every instinct you've ever had and been taught since you know you started playing football on what your key reads are and and put those in conflict with what's actually happening right and you know if you play kind of the fast flow to the football you're gonna get beat like they are they are relying on on those things on you to do the things that you're supposed to do the other ninety percent of the year. Um, Kansas, you know, you saw it with our young guys. Anthony Hill struggled. We saw um, multiple. I think Fink, Finkley had one. You saw multiple of the young guys just um, get schemed into getting blocked and, and gave Kansas those edges. I think Gerald, you may be onto something about getting it coached up, getting it figured up, right? Like it, they really were, you know they were neutered in the second half and they just didn't run many plays. Like, honestly, the defense didn't play much. The offense had the ball an incredible, crazy uh, amount. Actually, Gerald, the time of possession rankings, uh, I was going to ask you this one. Quiz, do you know where these two teams ranked uh, coming into the game in time of possession? Texas was bad because I talked about it last week in my banging the drum. Texas was probably in the bottom, I don't know, 75 or bottom half, probably bottom third of the NCAA. Kansas was probably in the top, I would say, probably 25. I'm not going to give you exact numbers, but that's like the ballparking it. Uh, 24 and 103 is what I'm going for. I don't hate it. Um, Kansas is uh, was ranked 11. They were really good wow. at dominating time of possession, and, and Texas was 103rd in the nation. Um, so nice okay. work there. Nice work there. Um, okay. but, but yeah, Texas controlled the ball for 40 minutes. And a lot of that goes to the offense of just being efficient and drives going, even when they, you know, got to a field goal, they did drives to get there. Right. It, it wasn't like a huge turnover game. We'll talk about that in our pod. Um, but it was just extended drives for the offense defense, not giving anything up on money downs, which Kansas was also fantastic at that leading the country in third down completion percentage at 61%. They were 0 for 10 on third or fourth down money down conversions in this one so you know I, I think it, it, a lot of it has to do with yes Texas coming out adjusting as they've done well all year um, taking the punches figuring out what they were going to do and then realizing they could scheme for that they could be a little bit less aggressive stop going underneath uh, on blocks and getting you know sucked into the muck um, and, and having some discipline not you know necessarily reacting on your keys as you normally would um, and just saying we're focused on this game and the way I play football this game and next week I'll go back to the other thing unless OU breaks out a triple option we'll see um but I, I thought it was some great coaching and and you know they they could not run up the middle they tried to do it uh just for you know integrity honesty to keep the defense honest and just had no success whatever whatsoever uh sweat was the highest graded player on the team 85.6 and 28 snaps murphy also 77.2 um they were great in the middle no one had a ton of stats except jalen ford who led the team in seven tackles no one else had more than three just because uh you didn't play enough snaps but Catalan had three tackles and a forced fumble. Jody Barron, three tackles and a fumble recovery. Those are, you know, three of your probably sweat. And those three, and Murphy right there, that's probably your five best <laughs> players on, on the defense this season. So good to see your best players showing out. Absolutely. So speaking of best players showing out, Kyle extends his Potsdamus lead uh, five to three and a half again. Potsdamus brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Kyle hits on Texas outgaining Kansas 336 to 124. Uh, Texas didn't punt once. They returned a few punts. So uh, Kyle does not, I think, hit on his special teams play uh, because, well, there weren't special teams, many special teams plays. Honestly, I feel like I should dock you a point because Burn Auburn missed two, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, Texas, I had Texas winning the turnover margin and Texas had three sacks. Texas ended up with zero sacks and both uh, teams had one turnover, so I missed on both of them. Kyle leads five to three and a half. 
Yeah, I, I think the special teams was an interesting one because they just they were special in that they didn't uh, they were unnoticeable in the return game. They just didn't have any returns. They they weren't gonna yep. have any problems. So good on you there, Xavier Worthy. Uh, the the kickoff coverage is the only unit that could have been good because you score a lot of points. You kick the ball off, and they they were uh, Jaden Blue and. And uh, Lee Fowl both had big hits uh, on special teams, but I'm not going to take credit for that. No punts feels like it should be uh, a special thing, but uh, that's more on the offense. So I'll give it to you, Gerald. No points for me on that one. I'll take my one and go home. We'll call it a wash, right? We'll call it a wash, no punts, but two missed field goals. So we'll be back on Thursday to preview the Red River rivalry in Texas taking on OU. And uh, one of the marquee week uh, matchups of the weekend, College Game Day, will be on hand now it's part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40 and we'll start with the volleyball team getting a big win and finding their mid-season stride number 10 texas volleyball knocks off byu three to one and three to one on a thursday friday give them that extra travel day thursday uh actually texas lost the opener on thursday and then won three straight uh friday texas lost the first 20 26 and then again did the reverse sweep of that one big weekend for maddie skinner uh texas improves to nine and three on the season yeah this we've been looking for kind of the the they've had a couple good wins um this felt like you know uh byu has, has been very good and there was almost the question of texas has dominated this conference for so long but byu's coming in as a you know national truly national contender team in your own conference, which Baylor's been close, but but Texas really hasn't had that. And so this was kind of a statement win of, yeah, we're on our way out, but this year, this is still our conference. We're the number one team to start the year, the reigning national champions. We've had to figure some stuff out, but one thing we don't have to figure out is we run uh, Big 12 volleyball. And so it felt like a statement win in some ways after dominating OU as well uh, to open up Big 12 play. So I hope they continue and, and get that get that swagger, get that aggressiveness, get that um, that that kind of meanness uh, about them, which will, will be needed for postseason play. Yeah, they're going to need it. Uh, Kansas on Thursday and Friday, so a big home matchup to keep things rolling. Number 21, soccer, arrested the downward momentum, uh, pulled a draw against West Virginia to snap that losing streak, and then finally got back in the win column against the aforementioned Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, I mean, look, they, this is a team that's that's great in October. I think they're 13-0-3 over the last 16 uh, October matches so they're heading into their their you know uh their strong month it's not iowa state so i can't think of a brocktober or or rocktober as rocco is their new quarterback but we'll come up with it we'll workshop it but yeah they're heading into the strong month strong um a, a heartbreaker against tech a heartbreaker against byu um they needed to get kind of things right here to end september and head into october um you know the, the things you might expect uh, it happened. Eternity Byers got her 12th on the season against Kansas. Um, Lexi Messimo unlocked, you know, game with her passes. Uh, it's it's what you expect. I think Messimo is actually now within two points of tying the single season record for points. Uh, she will probably smash by that. Uh, Lord will and the creek don't rise. And I believe Trinity Byers is uh, just a point shy of becoming the first student athlete to, uh, in school history to be credited with 40 a multiple 40-point season. Running through a big year for her in Texas will continue uh, to test themselves. Next up, number 19, UCF on the road, and then Iowa State 
at home. We're around the corner from swimming season and basketball season. Men's swimming and diving held their orange and white meet over the weekend. While the basketball, we've got basketball this month, the month of October, Texas will take the floor. How excited are you for this basketball season, Kyle? I think it's going to be really great. Um, I was just on the Kansas podcast talking to Andy Mitz, and you know he's pretty excited about that Kansas team, and, and I didn't bring up Arteria Morris, and, and I don't need to. Um, Proud of you. Yeah, uh, but you know I'm glad to not have him on our team. Uh, but I, I think you know this this team has already gone through what feels like a, a, a journey just in you know losing the big recruits who are going to be a focal point of this team, losing the talent they did after the run they had, and then going out and restructuring. They feel like they haven't even you know dribbled a ball hardly, uh, and they've already gone through so much. Like at least in the narrative portion of the season. Um, so it's crazy that we still have so long, you know, not long, but a couple weeks to go. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see this team put it all together and actually play with so many new faces, so many new parts, but such talented parts. I think there's, there's an incredible ceiling, but let's see what that floor looks like in the beginning for that team. It is a high-variance team, we'll say. That. They've got a very high ceiling. Uh, but the floor of the Moody Center, we don't know how low it's going to be. That brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, this is uh, this is a big week coming up. We've we've got through the Buku uh, portion of the schedule. That's the uh, Baylor, BU, KU back to back. We're looking at, at the Big Twelve. Um, there's one game that everyone across the entire nation has had circled on their calendars. I, I think from you know your 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 grandfather who who, who tunes in on the radio, uh, which you should all do. Listen to Craig Way; he's amazing. To uh, to your you know your your nephew who's who's seven or eight years old and just getting into football, they all have one game circled on the calendar. And of course, I'm talking about the Butt Bowl. That's Baylor versus Texas Tech <laughs> this week, playing for. No, I kid. But uh, Baylor is playing Texas Tech in the Butt Bowl. Um, honestly, playing for the bottom of the conference. But we wish both of them nothing but the best. Uh, but obviously, I, I'm talking about Texas OU this week and and. One of my favorite things is that this week it's actually the Red River rivalry, and I don't want to get into whether people like that name or don't like that name. That's the name, so just say it. Uh, the Red River rivalry, but the full name is the Red River rivalry presented by Head and Shoulders. And I don't think that's a coincidence, Gerald, because this year these two teams are so head and shoulders above nice. every other team in the Big 12. Um, you look at the conference power rankings, and I honestly think uh, our friends over uh, at the 1012 Network uh, and the 1012 Podcast should start putting a null in between number one Texas, number two OU, null, and then whoever's number four. Like there just needs to be a blank to to distinguish how far away the other teams are. But you know, that means there's even more to play for, even more to to, to fight over this week. Uh be nice, but not not too nice on social media. Give OU as much hell uh, as you can muster. If you're going to the game, scream your 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 lungs out. Um Hopefully you get the picture of, of half the stadium empty with, with OU trickling out early. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll have our preview coming up in a couple uh, days here, so stay tuned for that one. But, man, I'm already excited. Uh, and, uh, Gerald, it's it's 8.48 p.m. On, on Monday. And OU still sucks. So I'm banging the drum this week on something uh, tangentially related to Kyle. So there was news out of – um, the conference offices that uh, Brett Yormark, the new Big 12 commissioner, will be skipping 
the Red River rivalry, in spite of College Game Day being there and it being probably the marquee matchup of the weekend. Instead, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey will be in attendance. And, you know, Mark made a joke about, you know, it's his game now, so we'll let him have it. But, like, the double standard that the Big 12 is exhibiting now is absolutely frustrating to me. Like, I get Texas and OU are leaving and your mark is trying to show that, like, they will be fine without Texas. But the their ability to, in the same moment that news comes out, tweet about how Texas and OU are leading the conference or that Texas is the top-ranked volleyball team in the conference or a swimming award or something or something or something, like, pick one or the other, right? Either, like properly represent texas and ou while they're in the conference or keep our names out of your mouth like those are the two choices and it's it's you know i understand the frustration and i understand um you know texas and ou uh, you know p- kind of pulled one over on league like i get all of that but i also like if you're going to to um skip these games then just like skip it all like don't spend the offseason talking noise about both of these schools and then pretend like they don't exist just because they're the better two teams in the conference and it's he's going to have to probably watch these two teams play in person because lo and behold he's going to be the one giving one of them the trophy highly likely at the end of the year in arlington and so like i um as much as i don't like playing teams twice in a year uh for a conference championship i'd love for texas to get to play one of the teams that it's not on its regular season schedule uh in arlington but it's shaping up to be ou in jerry world again and so like having to hand one of these two teams the trophies on the way out, it just it just seems poetic to me, Kyle. I will I will like it no matter who um, of Texas or OU takes the trophy from from Mister Yormark at this point. It seems very uh, surely it will be one of the two. Um, but boy, do I hope it's Texas because you know this weird thing throughout most of the year where we have been like Crips and Bloods who who held up our tied together bandanas and in support of our hatred for the rest of the big 12 we put that on pause this week gerald because uh, as much as i hate the commissioner <laughs> and the entire rest of the conference i i do feel a little bit of hate seeping seeping into my in my veins and into my blood and remembering hey we still hate you guys more than anything we we get to carry on that hate into sec and i think it's going to be even better sec hate will be uh much purer much cleaner much more uncut uh, than Big 12 hate, but uh, we still have Big 12 hate for, for OU, and uh, let's, let's milk this uh, while we got it. Big 12 hate two more times. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on social media at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, Facebook, Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday with our preview show previewing the Red River rivalry. But thank you so much for tuning in. And until then, hook em. Hook em. It's a couple minutes later than what I said earlier. I know you still sucks. Hey.